our responsibility to our heritage, for those that paved the way for where we are today to continue on, to make sure we continue to operate with uh, revelation and wisdom from Christ. And I also said that we have a responsibility to our children to continue to operate under the wisdom and revelation of Christ. And this morning as people were up here around the altars being prayed for and, and uh, in an attitude of worship and people depending and relying upon Christ, a prophetic word given to, to encourage us to rely upon Christ and not to rely upon man's wisdom. You know our kids need to be in that atmosphere. Yes. They do. Uh, at the, I, I got so much to say this morning, but I know I bring it up all the time, but listen, I was there, you weren't. When my baby was fixed by God in my wife's womb, man's wisdom said abort it. It's a fetus. It's not going to make it. And God had other plans. Don't lean on your own understanding. Don't lean on the understanding of man. Our God is able to impact and affect our lives in ways that we could never dream or imagine, church. When it's too heavy to carry, come and lay it at the foot of the cross. That's what the cross is there for. That work was done so that we can lay it down. Jesus said, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. We don't have to carry some of that stuff, man. Take it to Him. And whether He removes that or not, if He doesn't remove the mountain, He's definitely going to give us the strength to climb it. Amen? Amen. That's a whole different sermon. This morning, uh, we're going to continue on with our series, Extreme Makeover God Edition. And... Um, I want to, before we get too far this morning, just kind of back up to uh, the root verse for this whole, this whole series is 1 Corinthians 5.17 that says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. And I want to remind us real quick before we get too far into this, the fact that everything we've talked about, I don't want us to lose that this is a work of God. This is, this is Christ moving in our lives. From day one where we talked about the light and the revelation light shining into our lives. That light only comes from Christ, guys. We're not talking about some kind of new philosophy where Pastor Bob's going to get up and talk us happy. Okay? It's, it's the light of Christ. It's the work that's done on the cross. We talked about the atmosphere being changed and how God separated the waters and made the atmosphere that was conducive to bringing life. Listen, that work doesn't happen by doctors. That work happens by Christ. It's by the Spirit of God that comes into our lives and does a work. Last week we talked about order, how God separated the water, the dry land from the water, and, and, and He made the land to produce vegetation and to uh, produce the fruit it was designed to produce. And, and again, that work is done through Christ. It's not something that mankind can do. I don't want us to lose the fact that these things that we're talking about are not just natural occurrences, they're God occurrences that, that He set up to happen in our life. When we respond to Him. Amen? So today we're going to move on and, and, uh, and we're looking, uh, looking at the fourth day. If you look in Genesis chapter 1 verse 14. And God said, again, we're starting with, and God said again, Let there be lights in the expanse of the sky to separate the day from the night. And let them serve as signs to mark seasons and days and years, and let them be lights in the expanse of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set them in the expanse of the sky to give light on the earth, to govern the day and the night, and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. 
So on the fourth day, we start out again with another miraculous work. And this one, this one really gets me because, as I said before, the sun wasn't made yet, the moon wasn't made yet, the stars weren't made yet. It's just talking about an earth that was dark and it had the light of Christ shining on it. That was the only light up to this point. And now God makes a light, a natural light, that we look at today, the sun, the moon, the stars. He put them in place. And here's the cool thing. You want to know how big my God is? With the people that come up and sought God up here for different things, you want to know if He's capable or able or not? With a word, every star in the sky sky ignited including the one that's closest to us all of them the moon came into being the light reflected off the moon into the darkness of the dark side of the earth from the sun there was no longer any absolute darkness on this earth anywhere because there was either a sun shining on one side a moon or on the other side and if you can't see the moon bless god there's still some stars out there somewhere God set this up, and He did it with a word. You want to know how big He is? Listen to this. Psalm 147 verse 4 says, He determines the number of the stars and calls them each by name. Great is our God and mighty in power. His understanding has no limit. Our God has, no, has an understanding that is unlimited, folks. When we start talking about the universe and scientists can't find the end of it anywhere and they just say it just keeps going on forever, it's eternal. In its natural establishment, it's eternal and we can't find the end of it. Our God not only designed it, He made it and He named all the stars that we haven't found yet. We look up and we can't even count the stars and that scripture says He counts them and names them. We look at them and some of them are named and, and scientists name them weird things. Have you ever noticed that? Planet X253065. I'm sure God's words and names are a little more creative than that. It'd be like, this is planet Jim. I wonder if God will do that. We get to heaven and say, what's that planet? Jim. It's Jim planet. Don't be offended if there's any Jim. Oh, there's Jim's in the room. Sorry, Jim. I just saying the name. What was I talking about? Oh yeah, stars. Talking about stars. Listen, he names them. The things that we, we look up at the sky and we go, wow, that's a really bright star. And a lot of times it's not just one star. The reason it's bright is because there's two stars stuck together in two different distances. And in our view, it looks like there's one really bright star, and the reality of it is there are two. So if we continue to go out further, we're going to see some of our bright stars separate into more stars. We can't even count them, but our God made them, spoke them into existence, counted them, and named them. That's our God. And what was their purpose? It says their purpose was to mark seasons, days, and years. Their purpose was to govern and to rule. Listen, it's important for us to know and understand that the earth was set up in such an order that it was going to have days and seasons and years. It's going to have times and times and times and times. A whole bunch of times. We understand that when God established it, He said, look, I'm going to make this earth so that it doesn't just go away in a couple of days. It's going to last a while. In those seasons, those stars, those moons, the earth, everything like that that we look at right now, our calendar is established by these things. Our watch, you look at the clock, that's telling you where the sun is in the sky. Everything is connected. Today, we don't realize it as much. We don't think about it. But back in Jesus' day, they had to lay on their roofs at night because they didn't have a TV. They didn't have an Xbox 360. They didn't have a uh, PlayStation 3. They didn't have internet. They didn't have Facebook. They didn't have the iPhone. They had this stuff. So they would just lay there and look at the stars. And they would start looking and guessing where things are at. I, uh, I watched a movie, this um, video that Pastor Sam and uh, Zach were telling me about. So I got it and watched it this last Christmas. It was talking about the star of Bethlehem. And this guy, this guy studied, did a lot of study on it. And he took 
uh, some scientific software that they use, NASA uses, to plan out all their trips. You know when you shoot something to space, basically you're just falling gracefully. You realize that, don't you? So everything's got a time with turning, and it, it, we can't understand all that craziness. But he took this software, and he started rolling back the sky, planted himself in, in, uh, in Jerusalem to see what the sky looked like about the time Jesus was born. And he started doing some study, and there's some cool stuff that the stars were doing, where there's the king planet, and this one's crowning the king planet, going back and forth, all this stuff. I don't know, but, but there's, there's a lot of activity in the heavens, and God established them there for us to look at. It tells us seasons. It tells us our time clock. And there's spiritual things that take place up there as well. There's, there's, there's a, kind of a, a, a thermometer for spiritual activity. You say, Pastor Bob, isn't that astrology? I'm not encouraging astrology. We know Deuteronomy 4.19 says, uh, When you look up to the sky and see the sun, the moon, the stars, all the heaven, in a heavenly array, do not be enticed to, uh, into bowing down to them and worshiping the things the Lord your God has appointed to all the nations under the heaven. I'm not saying to worship these things, but I am saying that in the Scripture, there's a lot of things that happen in the sky that will point to even spiritual things taking place on earth. Number one, the, the star itself for the Magi. Prophet Joel, listen to this, uh, Joel 2.30, I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and bills of smoke. Luke 21, there will be signs in the sun, moon and stars on the earth. Nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea. Men will faint from terror, uh, apprehension of what is coming on the world for the heavenly bodies will be shaken. Revelation 8.12, the fourth angel sounded his trumpet and a third of the sun was struck, a third of the moon and a third of the stars, so that a third of them turned dark, a third of the day was without light, and also a third of the night. You tell me when God's doing things, there ain't something going on in the heaven sometimes. I can mention wormwood. I think that one's fallen in the book of Revelation at some point too. A lot of these things that we look at, God used these things for a people at the time would lay on their back and they would look at the stars and functions and things and some would catch what God was doing and some would not. It wasn't that the stars were dictating their lives, but there were some signs going on. People nowadays say, well, everybody's just superstitious about the stars. I'm not telling us to go into any kind of astrology. I'm just kind of laying a foundation here. You say, what's the foundation? We see that the sun and the moon and the stars rule. They govern. They're not going to change. They still, God, by His light, established things. And now He set lights in place for us to see on a regular basis so that when we don't see Him face to face, we know and understand that He's still there. They're not going anywhere, folks. Nothing's going to change. Nothing's going to move. God put them in place with a word, and they're going to stay there until God says for them to move. Amen? True or false? That's what God's going to do. You say, well, what's all this point have to do with me as an individual with God working in my life? Seasons. Times and days. That's what it has to do with this. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Many of you already know where I'm going to turn to and, and read from because some hippies made a song about it. <laughs> Right? There's a time for everything. And a season for every activity under heaven. Now that sounds like order, doesn't it? Doesn't that sound like order where God says, I'm going to establish order. And we learned about that last week of prayer and devotional life and order to our lives. And God said, I'm going to establish some order for you as an individual. There's some times and some seasons and things for everything. There's a time and you're going to have to go through it. Well, what kind of stuff are we going to have to go through? A time to be born and a time to die. 
A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones, a time to gather them. A time to embrace and a time to refrain. A time to search, a time to give up. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. There's a time for everything in our life, isn't there? Doesn't that sound a little bit like, like life? I mean, think about it. We're born into this earth a, a nasty, naked, little, wet screamer. And, and then we grow and we develop and we start goo-goo and gaga and we learn to use the restroom and stuff and we dress ourselves and feed ourselves and, and we be, you know, we're toddlers and we become children and then after we become children, we become preteens. And then we become adolescents, teenagers, whatever, and you move on up to young adulthood, and after you become a young adult, oh, you start becoming married, and all of a sudden I'm a husband, I'm a wife, or I, well, I got kids, and then you beat your kids, and then your kids grow up, and, it, and then you, you want to beat them again, but you can't because they're big enough to beat you back, and then the kids, they get out, and they want to move on and get married, and then they move on and get married, and everybody's happy, and it's empty nest, and you go, oh, I want the kids back again, but then they give you grandkids, and grandkids are awesome, and then great-grandkids, and you keep moving on, and then retirement coming, and then you start slowing down, and you think, well, I'm going to go to Florida, and you go to Florida and stay for a month to six months to a year, then you live there, and then before long, you look up and say, where's the grandkids? I wish they'd come to Florida and visit us. Whatever happened to all the family? And then you die. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to spit, but that's life, right? And that, that kind of how life goes. There's a time for everything. And in those seasons, there's different seasons in life that we go through, and there's a purpose for everything we go through. I'm telling you something. I grew a lot from age 10 to where I am now. Right? Not just physically. My bald spot's gotten bigger year by year. My brain is, 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 is better than it was when I was 10. I don't jump over people on the four-wheeler anymore and keep seeing how far out I can get and, and see if we can just clear you by six or eight inches. You know, these are the types that we grow up and you look back and go, wow, did I really do that? Thanks, Amy. There's seasons, and by the time we're done with our seasons, folks, we should have something. It's called wisdom. We should have developed maturity. We should have developed some understanding. Uh, something was said by, by the psalmist. He says in Psalm 37, 25, I was young and now I'm old, yet I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging for bread. He's learned something over his years. All these years of experience, I've learned the faithfulness of God. And that's what we should develop. There are seasons in our lives that we will develop things. There's also spiritual seasons. There's spiritual seasons where God will do things in our lives at different times and we think, why do I feel different today than I did yesterday? And we look back to this day and we look forward to that day and, and God's doing different things in our lives regularly. Just as we change physically, just as we mature physically and naturally, God brings us through seasons in our spiritual walk that should bring about maturity. 1 Chronicles 12.32, we see the men of Issachar who understood the times and knew what Israel should do. 200 chiefs with all their relatives under their command. These are men that understood that it was time to rally around David. There was a supernatural uh, strengthening, encouragement. They understood David is going to be king. So they gathered around him and they said, we honor you. We are coming underneath your rule and you will be our king. It was something that was a leading of God. There's supernatural leading of the Holy Spirit that leads us into spiritual depth 
death and our life. There are certain times for things. And when we don't know these, if we say we're a child of God and we're not interested in what God's doing right now and we don't discern the times and the seasons, and we listen, folks, God is not hiding from us. He's not hiding from us any more than the stars are hiding or the sun or the moon. Just as those things can lead us naturally, God wants to lead us spiritually. And any time in the Word of God, if somebody ignored uh, the season that God was working in, they were rebuked for it. I'll give you a couple of examples. Jeremiah 8, verse 7, in Jeremiah's day, he says, Even the stork in the sky knows her appointed seasons, and the dove, the swift and the thrush, observe the time of their migration. But my people do not know the requirements of the Lord. In other words, a bird knows when it's time to migrate. They understand the seasons changing naturally. And us as Christians, us as people of God, should have that same internal awareness to understand when God's doing a new thing. When God's leading us a new direction. Or God's leading me here. Or God's bringing me to repentance. God's building new. He's tearing down. Whatever that list is, what God's doing in me, I should be aware of it because I should be prayerful. I should be mindful. But in Jeremiah's day, they weren't. Let's look at another one. Matthew 16. The Pharisees and the Sadducees came to Jesus and tested Him by asking Him to show them a sign from heaven. He replied, When evening comes, you say, It will be fair weather for the sky is red. And in the morning, today it will be stormy for the sky is red and overcast. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of the times. A wicked and adulterous generation looks for a miraculous sign, but none will be given it except the sign of Jonah. Jesus then left them and went away. That doesn't sound like happiness to me, folks. For people that call themselves believers and have no idea what God's doing. Let me back up and say that again. No, I'm just kidding. God has not hidden Himself from us. He's doing a work on this earth. And when we become a believer, we get yoked together with Him and He expects us to do His job with Him. And if we're ignorant of that, all we do is we bring harm. We don't bring good. So there's seasons that we have to go through. The light of Christ shines into our life. The atmosphere of our life is changed by the Holy Spirit. He begins to bring order to our life. We read the Word. We pray. We worship. We're in church. We're allowing the Spirit to lead us. And now He says, look, I'm going to stick you in a life full of seasons. Well, this doesn't add up. I want fixed now. Lord, I, I want to be mature now. Don't we all, we get saved, big, oh, Lord, the Lord saved me out of drugs and alcohol and blah, blah, blah. And now I'm just a mature Christian. No, there's seasons. There's things that we have to go through. There's appointed times. There's days that we have to endure. And this morning, we're going to kind of, as we finish up the other half of this message quickly, uh, we're going to understand that a little bit more. Now, we've been having some testimonies. And... Uh, have you been enjoying the testimonies? Yes. Amen. We got another one this morning. And as you listen to it, I just want you to kind of have this in the back of your head and, 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 and kind of listen for the seasons that God takes us through and some things that, that we endure and the things that we go through and how God uses these things to shape us and mold us into who He wants us to be. Uh, good morning. My name is J.D. Keller. I've uh, lived in Covington my entire life. Uh, not any kind of uh, church upbringing. Uh, didn't really didn't attend church regularly. Didn't uh, go to church much until Pam and I decided to, that we were going to get married. 
and we decided we want to get married here at this church and Pam had gone, Pam had grown up in the church and and uh, so she knew that you know that's where she wanted to get married I was fine with me so uh, we came in and Pastor Don Stevens was the pastor at the time and uh, he wanted us to do some marriage counseling and uh, attend a few services at least and he wasn't I don't think he was too crazy about really marrying us since we were in the church but uh, he, he did it anyways obviously and so so we did and we attended a few services and we did our marriage counseling but we continued to come to church pretty regularly getting you know comfortable about uh, six months after we were married uh, it was February February 9th 1997 uh, morning service Pam and I both uh, altar call and dedicated our lives to Jesus or asked him to be our our personal saviors, and I remember uh, Pastor David Deese, the youth pastor at the time, praying with me and getting up and seeing Sharon, uh, praying with Pam, and we developed a pretty good relationship, a real good friendship with them, even to this day, we're still really good friends with them, and um, so we started off, and I thought, at the time, I'm, uh, you know, I'm saved, and everything's going to just be a walk in the park. And, uh, well, I, my eyes opened pretty fast, really. And uh, it's, a, it's a lot harder than I ever thought it was going to be. Uh, not a horrible person. Never was a horrible person, but, you know, you drink a little beer or something and, and run around a little bit. Nothing horrible, but I thought I thought at the time you had to live just as clean as you could, you could live without doing anything. And, uh, and just immaturity or, you know, whatever I just I couldn't do it and, I, and Pastor you know David and Sharon left and then Pastor Don and, and Kay left and at the time I just I felt like my friends had gone you know people that I was comfortable with had gone even though a lot of you here or now or here then but I didn't have a friendship or a relationship with you at the time so it was just easy to just fall away from church uh Really easy, actually. So, you know, we spent quite a few years. I say ten. It was probably like eight years or so that we, you know, we never came, and uh, I was just back doing what I wanted to do when I wanted to do it, and, and uh, still, again, not not living a horrible life, but it was a pretty dry and and uh, desolate, just emotionally and, and spiritually time. Uh, in your in my life, and I feel, I feel the same for Pam probably uh, because you just know something is gone, and uh, and we knew what it was because we were educated for a few years, and we and we knew what we were missing, but uh, maybe stubbornness, uh, I think maybe just not. I don't know what it was, but just kept kept us kept us away, kept me away, and it kept me away. And I think about kept my family away, and so my, you know my kids are getting older, and I knew that they they needed a a bringing in, in church, and uh, they needed to know what was right, and so we we tried out a few churches before we came back, and we you know we came back and see the walk-in doors, just like being home here at the assembly. Um, and it didn't take long to <laughs> to uh, you know repent again, rededicate my life. Christ and uh, and to you know feel 
f feel like I'm getting back on track, uh, and I don't feel like maybe my religion or my my comfortable in my religion is wrapped up in people anymore. I I feel like I could be taken away from here, and as hard as it would be, I I wouldn't. I don't think I I could go back to what you know I lived the past eight years that I was gone from from a relationship with Christ again. Um, I, I love our friends we have here. Um, but I, I guess, you know, you go through seasons where when we first come to church and, and you get that experience and that knowledge and education and you just get your, you get your heart, that hole in your heart filled. That's it's just empty. And then you know, for whatever reason it is, people, you know, I'm sure, you know, I'm not the only one that's ever experienced that. And I hope I don't ever let myself experience that again. But then you, I, you get that experience, you get that, uh, the knowledge, and then you turn away from it and you just, you feel horrible. And there, there's times though that you just, I just didn't want to go on. I didn't want to be married anymore, I didn't want my family. Um, but, uh, you know, thankfully, God brought us, you know, gave us the wisdom, I guess, or, what do you want to call it? That we need to come back to, you know, get back in church, and, and I'm so happy we're back. Uh, you know, so I guess you can go, you know, yeah, you have your ups and downs, and I, um, I, you just, God can, if you rely on God, I, I believe, in Jesus and prayer life, uh, those ups and downs I don't think have to be as difficult as we will make them be. You know, we can make them be really tough, but. So, that's uh, it, I guess. <laughs> Thanks. And JD is not always that quiet, by the way. <laughs> I appreciate JD. Hey, man, from Pam. There we go. JD's a, a solid guy, and I'm happy to have him serve with us as one of our deacons. And uh, I told the, I told our early service that, you know, it was between him and Travis. Really, uh, Jason was reelected and, and, um, and had had another spot to fill. And I, I told him, I said, I'm absolutely pleased with either one of these men to serve on our board. We got a couple of great guys, and and I appreciate Travis leaving his name in and being a part of that. And I appreciate uh, JD getting ready to be a slave for the next three years. And <laughs> Couple things that, uh, couple things that were said. I, I'm running out of time, but a couple things that were said by JD is that, you know, they they he thought everything was going to be great. I'm saved, and it's like, hey, and then all of a sudden things don't go the way you think they're going to go. Seasons in life happen. Uh, you know, going through a situation with a ministerial change, pastors change and move, and and uh, and I'm going to say something not to offend them, but but it's easy to react wrongly when God brings a certain season into your life. It's easy to, 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 to go the other direction because we're not discerning. And again, they were fairly young in their faith and just got, it kind of threw them for a tailspin. Thank God that God's merciful and I'm glad you guys are back. J.D. shared after our prayer time this morning just how pleased he is knowing that he's in the right place at the right time and God's using him and I, I'm happy and pleased to have that. You know, but the mentality for us a lot of times is to be in a season and wish for something else. Uh, as a child, I remember always wishing I was older. And when you're old, you wish you were a kid again, right? Uh, you have kids, you wish you didn't, and you don't have kids, you wish you did. 
These are all seasons of life that, oh, come on, we've all had those days, folks. My kids, I tease them. They know I love them and I, I pick on them all the time. But, but that's just that's, that's how it is. Growth takes seasons. You can't wait and, and, I, and I can't owe oh, this and I can't owe oh, that. I, got, I, got, I can't wait anymore. And that's why the Word of God even says that you can't take somebody and make them a deacon until they've first been proven, until they've been tested, until they've gone through some seasons and they've grown and they've learned and matured to the point to where then you make them a deacon. You can't make them a deacon when they're a new convert. Scripture says that. makes it very clear. Why? Because they haven't been seasoned. They haven't grown. They haven't matured. They haven't gone to a place to where they're able to lead others yet. Right? So God has this plan that requires us that we go through some time and we go through some different things. But a seed has got to be planted in the right season. A seed, if you're going to plant the right thing, you've got to plant it in the right season. And we can't get ahead of God. And I think a lot of times we try to fight God. We try to move ahead of God. For, for those of us, as I said, you get yoked together in Christ. For those of you who have ever seen a yoke of oxen, you've got that big thing that goes over them. And when one starts fighting, it pulls on the other so it speeds up or it slows the other down. There's this constant struggle with us and God because we always think that we should be doing something different. We watch somebody, you know, they're moving forward in Christ. Well, well, then I need to move forward. God, why are you holding me back? And we gain this attitude, this problem. We don't discern the times and the season. Have you ever had the Lord speak to you on behalf of someone else and you think, you think the Lord gave me this word. I'm going to go run to that person and I'm going to give them this word, a challenge. And you haven't prayed. You haven't sought God. You haven't asked Lord when. You just react. And the person looks at you, gets mad, gets frustrated, says, I'm done with you. I'm done with God. I forget you, everything else, and I'm out of here. And then we turn around and we say, God, what would you do that for? You can take the right seed and plant it in the wrong season, can't you? There's a proverb, we just read it in our family devotions the other day, that talks about uh, saying a blessing, singing a blessing to your friend early in the morning. Don't come to my house at 5 o'clock in the morning singing no blessings to me. It's possible the blessing's wonderful, but not 5 o'clock in the morning. You can stand out my window and sing love for me all you want to. I'm probably going to bless you by putting hands on you in a minute. I'm not a morning person. I don't like getting up early in the morning. And, and if you're going to come here and sing blessings. So it's, it's possible for us to try to do the wrong thing at the wrong time. We need to discern the seasons of what God's doing in our lives. Amen? Does that make sense? We try to fight. We struggle. We say, I want to do that. So I go and do it anyway. We end up failing at it and not doing what we're supposed to. Or we see God taking us through struggles or taking us through trials. So we plant our feet and say, no, Lord, I'm not going to do that. And he's pulling us and dragging us along, slowing our lives down. My wife has told me multiple times, Bob, whatever it is God's trying to teach you, learn it so we can move on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, that's, that's how we are. So, so quickly as we close this out, what seasons, what seasons, what spiritual seasons in our lives do we need to be aware of? What do we need to be looking for? And what do we need to do in those seasons? The first one is springtime. Obviously, four seasons, springtime. Springtime can be related to his revival. And you say, why revival? Well, springtime, if you think about it, that's when, every, when spring, when life comes out of the ground. Hallelujah. Bring it quickly, Lord Jesus. Spring. You know, the plants and the seeds that are planted and they grow, the wheat is really coming up and taking off. The grass takes off. We've got to get the mower ready and all these things. Flowers are being planted, you know. We know everybody loves springtime, don't we? 
April showers bring Mayflowers. What do Mayflowers bring? Pilgrims. We, we know we all that whole joke thing, right? So the Mayflowers come. Everybody's excited because it's springtime. Springtime. Life is blossoming and growing. And, and, and what else does it do in, in springtime? It rains. Rain pouring down on the ground. It's all mushy and wet and moldable and shapeable. And, and, and grass is shooting out. Listen, springtime is a great time for life. And a lot of people look at their life in Christ and their revival, they're very sensitive. They're like those little plants shooting out of the ground, sensitive, quick to respond to the sunlight, to the warmth and the water as the Spirit of God is pouring down on us. There's full of life and new vision and fresh ideas, a lot of things going on. That's, that's revival. Are you in that time in your life? People say, oh, revival. I want to be in revival, Pastor Baba. We look at revival and we see, we see down at Brownsville or other places where revival takes place and it goes on for a few years and then it stops and then every Christian in the world acts like they failed. Listen, springtime is only for a season. True? Springtime's for a season. At some point you've got to get mature. At some point there's got to be other things because I can tell you something else that grows in the springtime with the plants. Weeds. Oh, do the weeds grow in the springtime? Dandelions. It's like one day you go to sleep, the next morning it's like, bam, 500,000 dandelions that weren't there last year, even though you sprayed your yard for them the year before. Where they come from? The ground. And God goes, <laughs> look at that dandelion. Put them there to keep you humble, Bob, testing your patience. Are you going to win on this one? No, Ugh, dandelions. But anyway, weeds grow. Have you ever seen revivals where things get out of control before? We talked about it on Wednesday night last year that there's uh, the, the revival where the, they had the pastor on a leash walking him around. He was like a dog barking and, the, and his wife was behind him saying, singing, where he leads, I will follow. <laughs> Listen, things can get out of control, folks. Can't they? With, with, with the Spirit of God moving in our lives, it's easy sometimes for crazy things to happen. That's why there's got to be a summer. We can't live in spring forever. We can't live in revival forever. And I'll tell you this, there's times where there's people in this place represented in different seasons of your life right now. I remember in 2001 to 2004, God took April and myself through a revival, a personal revival in our lives that absolutely changed and revolutionized who we are today. Absolutely, completely transformed by the renewing of your mind. God, by His Spirit, did a work. I couldn't look at a rock without the Spirit of God teaching me something about the rock. I'm telling you, man, it was constant. The presence of God, constant, constant, constant. I was in that season, and I looked around, everybody saying, oh, we just want revival, Bob. I just want revival. I was like, get it. Get revival. I'm in revival. It's awesome. Why isn't everybody else in revival? Does it, has nobody else heard of this before? The Word of God? Nobody else has read this? Has anybody else ever prayed? This is awesome. Worship. Oh, I'm driving down the road with my eyes closed. Listen, I did do this, by the way. I would drive back and forth to the shop. Don't try this, kids. I had my guitar. And on the country roads, I would drive with my knee, and I'm singing praise to God with my guitar, and I wasn't even leading worship yet. If you don't believe me, I got a, a guitar at home that's still got marks on the headstock from the bugs that hit it, and it's just hanging out the window. Don't try it at home, kids. I was on country road, and I was going fairly slow. So... I was in a season of revival. Nobody was going to stop me from worshiping God. I wrote swept away in my car between work and home. Amen. I did. God was speaking in my eyes like, I can't even stop. i got to play this song right now. And God was ministering, speaking to me, all this stuff. So, so that's a time of revival. But I'm going to tell you, it, it's not that the Spirit of God has left me, but that season shifted. It shifted, and I went into summer. You say, what is summertime? Summertime is a time for maturity, and it's time for some harvest. 
Maturity and harvest. Well, what, what happens in the summertime? Summertime is when all that stuff that started to sprout up and grow, somebody's got to deal with weeds. Things dry up. The rain's not coming quite as much. But suddenly you start to see fruit develop on your, your limbs. You see God doing some things in your life. You see God starting to take you to places where you had vision for in the spring. Now you start to see it manifest and come into the presence. The work that God called me to do, I'm starting to do a little bit of it. This is exciting. And you're bearing fruit. And God's working and discipling you. And He's, he's tearing weeds out. You're learning every day. You're changing your life. You're cleaning up your mouth. You're cleaning up what you're watching. You're cleaning up just the things that you feed yourself with discipleship. You're being changed little bit by little bit. Fruit is developing. You're starting to see the fruit of the works of your labor a little bit. You can celebrate. I, I know in the summertime I celebrate with tomatoes. I got my tomato garden going and I, I have a harvest of tomatoes every summer and I get excited about my harvest of tomatoes. It's exciting to see when God does something in your life. That's summertime, but i got to warn you, it doesn't last forever. So how many times do we have these seasons? You're going to have multiple revivals in your life. Multiple times that you're going to go with these sensitive seasons where God's going to move in your life. You're going to go through multiple cultivations and fertilizations and, 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 and weeding and, and, and all this stuff that God wants to do that's going to bring out harvest in your life in the summertime. And then what comes? The, well, the fall. Harvest increases to a machine. We know that, don't we? Because we get stuck behind them on the roads and we look at it and it's like... And they're taking in the grain and all this stuff, bringing in the sheaves, bringing in. You know, we get excited. Thanks, Larry. So we have the harvest going, and that's a big machine. But listen, you know what else happens in the fall? You've got to start planning, you've got to start pruning, you've got to start cutting back some things. If you have grapevines, you've got to prune them, bad boys. You've got to plan for next spring. I know myself, I had to restructure some things in youth ministry when we went from about 45, 40 or whatever up to 75. We had the machine harvest come in. And then you go, oh, what am I going to do now? You have to restructure. You have to cut things back. You have to place things here. You've got to plan for the next spring, the next revival, the next seed planting, the next move of God. Some of us are in personal places in our lives where we're in the fall. We've seen God do great things in our lives. Our family's gotten saved. We've seen friends come to Christ. The ministry we're involved in is, is hitting on all cylinders and we're seeing people get involved and learn and grow. It's very exciting, but suddenly you've got to stop and say, wow, you know, maybe I need to restructure some things. These are the times in our lives where we've got to stop and say, do I need to restructure this? Do I need to prune this job back? Do I need to prune this ministry back? Do I, need to, do I need to prune back my involvement in other areas so that I can give more focus so that next spring I'll be ready? You see, fall is a little different than the other two because while it's exciting, it's, it can also be difficult to do pruning, can't it? Self-discipline's a hard thing, isn't it, folks? And then lastly, fall won't last forever. Winter comes. If Amber would come to the, the piano, I'm going to close again. I'm just going to have her play music so you'll feel comfortable thinking I'm about ready to close. Winter comes. How many of us love winter? Put your hands down. All three of us. People don't like to live in the winter. We want to live in the spring. We want to live in the summer. And some people want to live in the fall. We do. And a few crazies want to live in the wintertime, don't they? But listen, listen to me. You say, well, what's a winter? 
what are you talking about spiritual? We have a spiritual spring revival. We have a spiritual summer with harvest and with, with, uh, with, with cleaning and nurturing and, and weeding. We have a fall that involves, that involves more harvest and also involves pruning and cutting back. What in the world does winter bring, Pastor Bob? Well, if you're looking on the outside, it doesn't look like it's bringing much. Does it? You stand and look at the trees, and it's, we've had a mild winter this year, so it's not, this doesn't seem as bad, but you stand out there and you look at a tree that's got no leaves on it that you know just a couple of months ago was full of apples, and you stand there and you look at it, and it's covered with snow, and there's snow all over the ground, and nothing but rotting apples and things left on the ground for it, and you just sit there and you think, well, that's too bad. That's all over with. You know, and I think the mentality is, is we look at that and think everything's dead. Nothing's dead. It's dormant. It's dormant. And when things are dormant, it's still alive. There are seasons in our lives where we go through winters. And God uses the spring, the revivals. He uses the summer to trim us and, and, and to work in us. He uses the fall to, to work in us. And then in the wintertime, He works in us too. Listen, listen very closely because there may be people here that are dealing with a winter experience right now. Have you, ever, have you ever gone to your prayer closet and you, you pray to God and it just seemed like the ceiling's brass and nothing gets through? Have you looked around at your ministry and you think, well, what's happening here? This just isn't what it used to be. What, where, have, are you looking around at, at things that you're involved in and, and you think, Lord, where in the world did you go? Where's the life? I just am going from day to day. I've had people tell me, Pastor Bob, I wonder if I'm even saved anymore when they're in their winter experience. And I ask them questions. Well, are you still in the Word? Yeah, I'm Word. I'm in the Word. I'm praying. I say, well, are you obedient to the Lord? Are you walking in obedience? Is there sin in your life? Yeah, I'm walking in obedience to the Lord. Is there any evidence sin? Not really. I just feel... Welcome to winter. If you've ever felt like that, that's a spiritual winter for you. But listen... Naturally, do you know what happens in the wintertime? When you look at that apple tree and it says, oh, it's dead and it's all hopeless and whatever. Listen, it's growing. It doesn't look like it. But its roots grow in the winter. Its roots dig deep. Its roots dig deeper and work deeper. And they plan for the spring because they know there's another spring coming. If I can just dig deeper into this ground, if I can get rooted and grounded where I'm at, if I can grow my roots, listen, nothing grows our roots more than for us to feel like we're just not close enough to God yet. Nothing will grow our roots more than to force us to our knees, drive us to our knees to call out to God, asking for another spring, asking for a chance to bear more fruit, asking for a chance to be pruned and to be grown further than where I am presently. God, I know you've got a plan for me. Where are you, God? You look all through the Scripture. You see these places. You see, you see for Moses, he had seasons. You see for Joseph, he had seasons. You see for David, he had seasons. You see for Abraham, he had seasons. They all have seasons. And all of them have had a wilderness, have they not? A wilderness experience will drive us to our knees, drive us before our face, before God, and beg Him. And what will happen as we endure, we become stronger, and our roots dig deeper, and that when the springtime comes, we've got the strength, we've got the food to be able to push out our branches further to bear more fruit for Him. We have to go through winter. We may want to live in the spring, but sometimes we have to go through the winter. And I'm saying this as an encouragement to you. What else did the, 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 the sun, the moon, and the stars do? What did they do? The scripture said that they governed. What does govern mean? It means they were there. They ruled. That nothing changed. Right now, the sun's shining in its winter time. 
Right now at night, the stars come out and it's winter time. It's the same sun that's over the spring. In the springtime we go, oh, the stars declare God's glory. In the summertime, we sit there and we go, oh, now this star represents this and this and this. In the fall, we sit down and we start cutting things back and still it's hurtful, but we say, God, I know you're still with me because I see you. You've left a representation here. You've left a representation there. And the sky here shows that you've not left me, that your light is still shining. In the wintertime, when it's the hardest, when it's the darkest, when there's sickness, when there's disease, when there's pain, when there's words of anger, when people come against you and say, you can't because, then you can look up and you say, you know what? Those stars, some chubby, bald-headed pastor told me that those stars are a representation of the love of my Father that said, I will not leave you. Even in your darkest day, there's a glimmer of light. There's a glimmer of hope. And even in the darkest night, I'm going to shine a moon up here that's going to reflect that on the other side, there's a sun. And when you come around tomorrow, I'm going to be there. I'm not going to deserve you. I'm not going away. This is not the end. I will be there for you forever until the word says that he's not going to be there. I am here because I am. I am. And regardless of the season that you're in, regardless of where you are, you say, what do I do if I'm in the spring? You take it and you soak it in. Because you know there's a summer coming. What am I going to do in the summer when I'm being discipled and changed? You enjoy it and you excite yourself with it because you know God's going to do a work through you. And in the fall, when there comes a time for restructuring and pruning, pruning and changing, get excited because you know God's preparing you for a new work. And when the winter comes, say, Lord, I don't know. I may not feel you. I may not feel warm and fuzzy. It may be hard for me to lift my hands and worship. It may be hard for me to open my Bible. But I'm going to do it because I know I'm planting my roots in you. And I will not be moved. God wants to develop you into what He wants you to be. And there's fruit from that. And we need all seasons. Amen? Stand with me this morning.